They've watched Citizen Kane a combined 200 times. Elliot's first words were, I personally thought the use of Dutch angles was derivative in the 400 blows. And Nathan's favorite historical figure is Fritz Lang. Now they're bringing that snootiness to you with Magellan's at the Movies. for the delay uh last week uh we had to skip it so i could you know just be a busy busy bee but we're back now we're back we're back we're recording in the same place yeah for the first time in ames from the uh new york of the midwest absolutely ames iowa <laughs> uh, i fr- quite frankly i call new york the ames of the east coast, <laughs> the east coast. yeah yeah me too me too so we're here in um my apartment, Elliot, do you want to give your brief thoughts since you force them upon us every other week on the last two episodes of The Last of Us? Uh, yeah, sure. I actually wasn't planning on doing that, but now that you mention it. <laughs> um, episode three, a lot of people really, really loved. I myself didn't like it too much. I thought that it was, it was one of those episodes, and I never like these kinds of episodes, where they take a break from the main action the main story to establish, not even establish, just like flesh out some other side characters. I always think that that interrupts the flow of the story's pacing. And I thought it held true here. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't, you know, I didn't love it as much as other people did. And then episode four, I thought was getting back on the right track. Uh, There were a lot of cute little moments that were lifted directly from the games. I'm not really sure about the woman that they cast to play the sort of antagonist for this mini arc they're going to have in Kansas city. Her voice is so far the opposite end of intimidating. And yeah, she's a really weird pick, but you know, I'm excited to see Henry and Sam. I'm excited to see where it goes and I'm still excited uh, to see the rest of it. So yeah. Wow. That's so exciting. (laughs) Uh, That's very exciting. Yeah. Let's just dive into it. Let's just talk about the movie. I'm really excited about this one because I think this is, going to prove to be one of our more uh, maybe contentious episodes. I think we feel fairly differently on this movie. Uh, I got to choose it this uh, week or last week. And so I chose because I watched another movie by this same director and I hadn't seen this one in quite a while. So I thought it would be fun if we would go back and revisit it, see how I feel. So we're doing uh, One Floor Over the Cuckoo's Nest. It's a classic. I don't have facts up but if i'm remembering correctly it's 75 or 76 i have no idea but it is a it's an oscar winning picture yep won best picture best director best actor best actress i yeah. believe yeah i yes. can't remember what's who's what's her name louise fletcher yes who died fairly recently actually did she really yeah oh, rest in peace louise fletcher but yeah incredibly successful film i think this is one of those classic we talked about it a bit when we watched Shawshank Redemption but it's in the same genre of Shawshank in that it's 
kind of saccharine movie, old movies that you'll find playing on TV and your dad will make you watch. I don't <laughs> think this movie is saccharine at all. I think the movie is fairly saccharine. Already we're getting into that contentious nature yeah, that I, I mentioned that, earlier. That is insane. <laughs> um, well, anyway, Elliot, you, you can start. Uh, I know this is one of your favorites. Uh, break it down for us. How do you feel about it? Well, just for some more uh, context, this is based on a book that I have read. Yes. Um, a book of the same name, the author. It's one of those books, where, book to movie adaptations where the author hates the movie. I myself think that they're very similar. Um, I'm not 100% sure what he's, what he dislikes about the movie, but I think that both, they're both very good. And this is, this was one of my top five favorite movies for a while. It is no longer, not because I found any kind of fault with it, but just because my tastes have evolved. Uh, since then. To give you a sort of basic plot rundown, oh my gosh, I'm good. R.P. McMurphy, <laughs> played by Jack Nicholson, he's a convict who is faking mental illness to get sent to, um, not sure if at this point in time they were still being called lunatic asylums, but it is a mental health hospital that's what we would refer to it today and therein he sort of because he's faking obviously he's not really in a situation where he could flourish in this type of highly controlled environment so he frequently clashes with the staff especially nurse ratchet the head of the the floor that he's on and so the movie is about him uh befriending the other inmates and trying to sort of I don't even know what he's, it's, it's unclear what he's trying to do. If he's just trying to amuse himself or if he's actually trying to like make their lives better in the book, he is, he is trying to like help them. Mm. Um, in the movie, he's much more, he's not as like clearly a hero. I don't think, uh, neither is nurse ratchet as clearly a villain, quite frankly, in the, in the book. And I, I'm going to try to avoid talking about the book as much as I did with All Quiet on the Western Front. But in the book, she is much more explicitly villainous. And I, you hear a lot of people, so I guess we can start there. You hear a lot of people talking about the clash between um, McMurphy and Ratchet and how engaging it is. I agree. I think it's fantastic. But I do think that Nurse Ratchet is not, she doesn't seem like, a hundred percent evil. She seems very strict and certainly misguided in a lot of the ways that she handles her patients. But I don't know. I never got the sense that she was like acting maliciously, except for maybe a few areas. Yeah, I, I, I agree. You already know. I agree. I, the first, this is my second time watching it. The first time I watched it, I watched it with you. And I think I mentioned as I watched it that I was like, Ratchet is not really evil. She's, I think the worst thing that could be levied against her is she sometimes is more rigid than she should be. And that if she had a bit more flexibility, uh, things would turn out better in the long run. But I also think that McMurphy is not depicted as 
as heroic as I guess you've laid it out in the book that he's trying to make their lives better. Whereas in the movie, it seems like a lot of the times he's more just kind of there for the fun of it more than anything else. And so like when he breaks them out, he takes them with, but it seems less like he wants to take them with and more that he has to take them with that. He doesn't really have another option. And so he, takes them with and he's really just trying to you know sleep with this girl <laughs> well i think that um at the very end when she is so deliberately talking about calling billy's mother i think she's doing that i think she's probably doing that like out of malice yeah but i i, I she definitely she definitely like she she wants to be in control and she is fairly ruthless when she's not in control. Yeah. Well, and I think some uh, leeway could be given there just because I think what McMurphy had done there just flew so flagrantly in the face of everything she'd been trying to put together. So I think I agree that there was some malice, but I think the malice was coming from kind of an understandable place that like when a parent has a kid that goes aggressively against them, they might overcorrect in their punishment because they're just very angry in the moment. And tragically in the film, she doesn't get a chance to then correct that overcorrection, so to speak. Well, yeah, we're kind of all over the map here, but this movie is definitely a critique of mental health facilities like this and sort of the the attitudes around mental health in America at this time, because it's, I mean, they're not really being treated. They're sort of just being, they're just sort of in a box where nobody has to bother them and they don't, they can't bother anyone else. I mean, they have their little group therapy sessions, but they're completely useless as therapy. And mostly what they do is they just, they're just medicated and sort of, drift around the place. Yeah, I I agree. I guess um, to try and maybe focus this a bit, let's focus in on, let's start with the characters. So obviously Jack Nicholson won Best Actor as McMurphy. Louise Fletcher won Best Actress as uh, Nurse Ratchet. Uh, what do you think of the actors? What do you think of kind of the characters in the film? Uh, I think the actors are fantastic. I love Jack Nicholson. And... There's a tendency, I think, for some people to accuse Jack Nicholson of just playing Jack Nicholson types. And I think that McMurphy is a Jack Nicholson type character, but I I think that there is there is more to him than that. Um, I, I do think that he's less heroic than he is in the book, but I, I also think that he is, at, at least by the end, he's trying to, at least in some capacity help the other patients um, or at least try to point out the futility of the methods that the hospital is using as treatment. uh, If they are indeed even trying to treat them instead of, as we talked about um, just kind of isolate them essentially. Uh, I think that Louise Fletcher, that's her name, right? Louise Fletcher does a great job. She's really, I don't know. She's really cold. Mm. Um, again, I'm, I'm trying to avoid like super 
loaded terms like evil or malicious, but she's definitely cold and calculating and she doesn't really she doesn't really seem to care about the patients very much. She seems more like a like the the head on a factory floor than anything else. Like she's just there to keep things moving, keep things smoothly operating. Yeah, you can ex you can verbalize that squint in a in a minute here. <laughs> that skeptical squint. Um but yeah, she's really good. Uh and I do like her interactions but with Jack Nicholson. Honestly though, my favorite pair in this has got to be McMurphy and Chief. I really like their their friendship uh and how it works. Uh it it makes me smile, honestly. It makes me smile every time when McMurphy's beating people, uh, beating up the guards. And then uh, Chief just like lets his broom fall when he sees that McMurphy's in trouble and wanders over there to take him down. I, I, I really like that moment. And I, I think that their their friendship, despite being fairly short, is legitimately affecting and, uh, or effective and endearing. And the, the ending made all the more tragic by that. And fun fact, uh, the person who plays him, whose name I, I'm afraid I can't remember and I don't have the methods of finding out right now, um, he's not an actor. He was actually a National Park ranger who uh, was discovered by someone working on the movie. And they they cast him because of his size and because he's a, he's a Native American. Mm. That's interesting. Let me plop a nice little ice cube in that steaming hot bowl of nonsense you just served our listeners what um ice cube in a steaming hot bowl of well uh, if, the, if the bowl is already steaming hot a single ice cube isn't gonna do a whole lot depending on the size of the receptacle anyway i like jack nicholson in this i agree that it's maybe not a by the numbers jack nicholson type although it is a fairly I, I don't like this performance as much as I like him in um, The Shining, for sure. Uh, I like Louise Fletcher. I don't agree that she's... I, I think she does care about the people. I think, again, I wrote in my notes that she's... And I already mentioned it kind of earlier, but it's not that she's evil. It's just that she's incapable of seeing different ways of tackling a solution. That she's decided on a way that as you said, doesn't appear to be producing much fruit, right? Like she's doing, um, she's got a system and she does the group therapy things. But as you said, the group therapy doesn't appear to really be producing anything meaningful in the inmates' lives. But I don't think that she's evil. I think it's more just she's unimaginative and unable to kind of see like, oh, maybe if I did things differently, it would be a bit better. And so I disagree with that. And then uh, at least watching it this time, I was astonished by how little of Chief and McMurphy there was. Like, I, I feel like I got to like 40 minutes from the end of the movie and I was like, isn't there supposed to, like, isn't something supposed to be happening here? Isn't there supposed to be another like character? And so it, it just seemed so... I remember enjoying it the first time, which was why I was so surprised rewatching it that I was like, this doesn't even appear until like 25 minutes from the ending of the movie. And so I was 
not as affected as it sounds like you were by the friendship because I was more just like, wow, this is so little. And from my understanding, the um, author of the book critiques the movie because the book is written from Chief's perspective. Yes. And so he sees Chief as the main character. And so he was aghast that the movie didn't have Chief really factor in until the final sort of stretch of the film. And I kind of, I kind of agree. I feel like the ending for me felt very rushed and I don't want to say half baked because it's not as bad as that, but maybe like three quarters baked that it, it, it felt like there was not as much setup as there should have been to what, what I was seeing on the screen. Well, I, I guess it's true that they don't talk for a big portion of the film, but McMurphy is definitely like reaching out to chief and including him in a way that clearly he has not been up until that point that he's been written off as deaf and dumb by the other inmates. Uh, so none of them, what I noticed is that none of them ever really interact with him, but McMurphy is, you know, trying to get him to, trying to get him to vote in the group therapies, trying to get him to play basketball with them on the court. So I feel like there, I feel like, you know, for those of us with attention spans oh, who gosh. can, pit, who can All notice right. subtlety and stuff that it, it was being set up for quite some time before they start talking, like right. actually talking. All right. Well, let's try and refrain from <laughs> name calling here as we uh, do the, do the do this review, Elliot. Let's have a bit of professionalism, everybody. Yeah, let's have some decorum. Yeah, uh, let's talk about um, let's talk a bit about the technical elements. I think this movie is very beholden to the time period it was made in. It really likes to do this thing that I think the only people I see doing it now is uh, Quentin Tarantino, where there's like random zoom ins. <laughs> of just like things that they'll set up the shot and then something will happen and they'll really dramatically zoom in or sometimes they'll just set it up and zoom in slowly into a thing, which I just, I didn't feel any way towards it. I just thought it was interesting that it did this thing that you don't really see a lot of anymore. The zooms. Yeah, I didn't notice that and I don't particularly care. I mean, it's sure the sign of the times, I guess. I don't know. I don't, I don't <laughs> I don't think it really matters. Um, honestly, I I love the way that Milos Forman, the director... Why are you looking at me like that? Uh, this is my contemplative look, Elliot. Oh, uh, okay. Nathan's folded... He's steepled his fingers, and he's, he's, he's sort of, like, turned up his chin a bit um, to, I guess, intimidate me or something. <laughs> if you're intimidated, that's not my fault. <laughs> Uh, no, I love the way that Milos Forman edits his movies or the way that uh, editors or whoever edit. The, I really like the way this movie is edited. Um, I think it's got a fantastic, whoever is in charge of this has a fantastic sense of when to cut and what to cut to. Um, so like, I really like the cut from the fight uh, when... McMurphy and Chief are fighting with all the guards. He holds on it for for longer than you would expect, like uh, long enough to see the doctor running out and the nurses coming in, and then it cuts right to McMurphy and Chief and the 
small guy. What's his name? I don't know. The the smaller guy. The one who really wanted his cigarettes, and that's what... Um, started the fight. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Started the fight, yeah. Them uh, on the upper floors waiting for electroshock therapy. Yeah, and uh, I, I thought the same thing when we watched Amadeus, that there were a lot of really smart cuts that were that just always made it there they weren't flabby you know mm. they they felt like it was the exact right time to cut uh and they were often really dynamic i don't know i'm thinking particularly of in amadeus when uh mozart is trying to convince the what is it the prussian king some king yeah yeah to let him do his sort of risque opera and the king is like, well, why don't you, why don't you, well, Mozart says, let me at least put it on for you, put some of it on for you uh, and see what you think. And then the king sort of like, he sort of like shrugs a minute and then the cut is to Mozart directing the opera. Um, mm-hmm. and I just really like, I really like the way that works and the way it keeps things moving. Mm-hmm. And it's true here as well. Yeah, I guess I didn't, uh, I didn't notice that. There wasn't anything I noticed. I, um, so I can't really comment on it. I do like when movies know, you know, when it seems like there's some intelligence in what is the point of this scene? What is the function of this shot? And so that is the thing that's dictating how long it's held as opposed to like a very natural, like we want to hold on the fight scene long enough to, communicate that it's a fight that it's like oh well maybe we want to leave it so it kind of sticks with you a bit more or something that i do like when movies do that i can't give this movie points for it because i didn't notice that and i've seen it twice and i didn't notice it either time so i've seen it maybe five times maybe you're just making things up (laughs) i don't know what to tell you i want to get back to the talk because i think most likely, I think the place where we're gonna dis- where we're disagreeing the most is um, in the thematic elements of the movie, and uh, I guess the pacing of the movie. I think the pacing of the movie falls a bit f- short for me. Kind of as I mentioned, I think the ending is a little rushed. But I also think I don't uh, really care about huge portions of this film. Not huge portions, but decent portions of this film. Uh, really fails to find any sort of emotional attachment to me. That I'm like, that's me, but I don't necessarily care all that much. Elliot, what do you think of that? <laughs> that's uh, that's an interesting take, Nathan. Uh, I, I, I care, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I really like this. I really, first of all, this is a really strong cast. Because um, you got Christopher Lloyd in there as the one person. You got Danny DeVito in there as the other person. Yep. Oh, those great characters. <laughs> yeah, those great characters. Um, Red is played by someone who's who's been in, He's Bradley. No, I think it is Brad something. He's uh, he plays Wormtongue in Lord of the Rings, and he's sure. the voice of Chucky in Child's Play. But I can't remember what his name is. Oh. But he he does very well. Um, And I especially like Harding, the guy who's kind of uptight. uh, Mm -hmm. And I think that the depiction of different mental illnesses and some people who don't even seem to have mental illnesses, but just 
are sort of just sort of like outcasts. I think it's very empathetic uh, and very effective and very realistic. Like for Harding, for example, doesn't seem to have any identifiable ailment. He's just, he just doesn't really know. He just gets really overexcited about things. Yeah. And same, honestly, with Cheswick, I think is his name. The guy yes. who wanted the yeah. cigarettes. He just doesn't really know how to interact with people. Uh, so I guess maybe what, what I, what I, maybe not what I see in this movie, but what I connect to in this movie is its depiction of mental illness and it's the empathetic vision that it has for them and the sort of quiet tragedy of seeing these people who, like McMurphy says in the movie, are not necessarily crazier, quote unquote, than any person on the street, but just are live in a society that doesn't know what to do with them. And so it puts them or it encourages them to put themselves in these institutions so nobody has to, so society doesn't have to worry about them. And I just find that very, uh, very affecting and very, I don't know, it just really connects with me. Sure. And see, I think I connect with that in the best, the two best scenes in the movie, the scenes that I enjoyed the most were the scene, the basketball scene where Chief finally plays basketball because it's both a very joyous scene where I see a lot of that, of like them kind of achieving some sort of normalcy, as well as the visual joke of Chief just effortlessly yeah. laying up something and then strolling down the court to just block the next shot and then walk back. I, lo I love his big old grin. It's <laughs> very funny. But then the other scene that I thought was really interesting was the scene where McMurphy finds out that most of the people were not committed. Right, that Cheswick and Harding and Billy are all there voluntarily. And so I didn't write it in my notes, but I thought that exact question that you said, that it was like, what do we as a society have to do to make sure that people who can't necessarily function in society still have a place and still have an ability to right, partake in the things that are crucial to like human life? in some ways, of community and um, being able to do things like go on a boat and fish or play basketball, that how can we do that? And I think the movie is a tragedy in that sense, that it's people who are healthy enough to be able to see like, oh, I can't keep on operating in society with these ticks. And so they go, they're committed or they put themselves in this place to maybe get better. And then this place that's supposed to make them better is failing to achieve that, right? And I think it's a tragedy in that sense, but I think a lot of the movie, I don't see that. I feel like a lot of the movie is just kind of silly asides of like McMurphy trying to do something goofy. And I feel like it's only in a few of the scenes that I really start to see the things that I sort of resonate with and that I feel like you're talking about resonating with, so. And that's just down to, you know, you see it in more of the scenes and so you like the movie more and I don't. I mean, yeah, I I do think that it would, it might, it might have worked for you more if this had taken the ending from the book, which is the exact same ending, but 
most of the other patients have left uh, by the time after he gets well after he gets sent to be lobotomized. Most of them do leave, most of the voluntary ones. And then after Chief smothers McMurphy, he says that he, and escapes from the, the, the place, he says that he he gets a job, like, as a trucker or something. And they don't even, like, they, there's, they don't even pick up on the fact that he's got some kind of mental illness. Although he clearly does in the book because he, like, hallucinates all of this insane stuff happening. He like, at one point he, he describes like he's laying in bed and then the entire hospital like moves underground and a bunch of people come out and cut open one of the patients and a bunch of like mechanical parts fall out. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah. So I think that that would, that might help you. Uh, For me, I, I guess I just, I just see it. Uh, in more areas like McMurphy uh, like when he he pretends to be watching the watching the the World Series on mm. the TV or even when he's just when he just says that he's gonna leave and watch uh, the game and he's like you know we let's just walk out of here and he invites everyone with him yeah I guess <laughs> <laughs> also just to sort of shift topic uh this movie has a really unique interesting soundtrack i guess i sure expand on that elliot (laughs) well the i i mean it's just not what you would expect like the first the music especially in like the first scene and the last scene with the woman singing um i seem to remember reading it's it's from an opera or something Mm. uh and then yeah everything else is just kind of a a very peppy, almost banjo-y type uh, music, like especially when they're out there on the sea. It's just really unique. And I do sometimes, I sometimes listen to bits of it casually. Casually, interesting. Well, see, I wrote, I wrote here in my notes, and I think it's kind of similar, that the movie is almost told, it's, I think the music kind of contributes to it, but I think the story itself is almost like a fairy tale almost that I wrote, it's got almost a whimsical feeling to it that there's a lot of magic to the film and the story. And I think the music really contributes a lot of it, but I think the movie is kind of like a, yeah, a very lighthearted, whimsical tale, lighthearted. The ending is obviously not very lighthearted, but even in that the music for the ending is not like a really sad, somber thing. It's more of like a, uh, it's a, a driving force that it's there's some excitement in the sense of there's some excitement that chief is going to you know escape and be able to go out and do something else yeah and i guess it's possible that most of the other patients have left and we just don't see it but obviously that's, yeah i guess we you, know, you can't really give the movie credit for some something like that yeah something we're assuming well, I, I've been pretty clear about uh, negatives for me. Elliot, do you have any negatives that you want to uh, cite for the film? Um, hmm. There are, I guess there are, like, a few scenes that... Well, maybe... maybe or, 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 I, 
see, I, I'm maybe like the scene where he's talking to all three doctors at the same time. I guess I'm not sure what the point of that scene is, but it's not like it's bad or anything. It's just. <sighs> I, I guess the answer is not really. There's nothing that wow. really there's uh, and that doesn't mean that I'm that I think it's perfect. It's just I don't really have any significant nitpicks or drawbacks. Wow, interesting. Do you have any positives? <laughs> yeah, I have positives. I already said that you know I find its depiction of mental health and the mentally ill very compelling and i think there's moments where the movie has some of the stuff that you're talking about i just don't necessarily see it in every scene of the movie in the same way you do and so i did find myself more than a few times being like i guess this is a fairly charming whimsical sort of scene but this isn't like you know like you just said it's not that it's not it's not that it's bad i'm just sitting there like this is okay but you know i'm not all that i'm not supremely invested in it or I'm kind of uh, out of it somewhat. So I'm not going to give it a terrible score, but I'm going to, I'm not going to give it whatever score you want. (laughs) I'm not going to give it as good a score as you. Well, we don't grade on the same metric. So that was always, that was always true. true. Um, Do you have any final sort of thoughts or do you have anything else you want us to uh, hash down into? Um, I don't think so. This is a fairly, like, small-scale, stripped-back kind of movie. This is going to be one of our shorter episodes, but I think that's just just because the... uh, Just because we're great at being efficient in our language. (laughs) Yeah, well, and I I do agree that I think this is a movie that... uh, I think it's similar to a lot of other dad movies, I guess, or movies that you would see on television. That it's... Uh, it's a simple story. It's told uh, very well. Again, I don't have anything flowery to say about any of the technical elements, but they're all certainly you know, competent. So, yeah, I agree. I don't have any other closing thoughts. Uh, let's get there to was something. I can't remember what it was, but I just want to bring it up to point out that I did have something else to say. Now I can't remember. Um, all right, well, I'll go, I'll go first, score-wise. Um, I like this movie. I don't like it as much as I first saw it. Uh, I certainly don't like it as much as you. I think it's worth a watch for sure. It's a pivotal part of, I don't know about pivotal, but it's a very well done movie. It won best picture. I think it well deserves. Actually, I don't. I've seen all of the other movies that were nominated for best picture this year, and it did not deserve to win. What did deserve to win? Barry Lyndon came out the same year. And I, I love Barry Lyndon to pieces. Uh, but uh, it's a very good movie. It's worth a watch, I think, for sure. But I, I, I think some of the elements are somewhat are not as evident as they maybe should be. Uh, although, honestly, talking to you about it, I think I have come up a smidge. So I'm going to give it a 7.4, 7.5. Somewhere in that area. It's a pretty good movie, but it's not, uh, it's maybe not as deserving of greatest of all time as it, um, other people would say. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. Good grief. 
this is Obama's favorite movie. It is. I think I read that. Yeah. Which I just, I, 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 I'd like to know why <laughs> I'd be interested to hear what, what he, what he thinks about this movie that makes it uh, more to him than anything else. Yeah. Well, see, that's what I always, this has nothing to do with the movie, but th that's what I always want to know is I want to know someone's favorite movie. And then if I have the opportunity, I want like a reason because I feel very strongly that everyone's favorite movie is going to come from like an, a more than just a technical, like the movie is very good. It's also going to come from an emotional, like I connect to this or I see this as, you know, it means something more to me than just as a movie. So I, I agree. Every time I see like some celebrity, like, oh, this is my favorite movie. I'm like, oh, I really wish they would have asked why. Yeah, I just really connect emotionally to the abysmal voiding nihilism of No Country for Old Men. Yeah, we know. We'll, we'll get to that someday. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway. Uh, so I love this movie. Uh, I find its depiction of mental illness to be very empathetic and very moving, especially its critique of how it was handled at the time and how it is handled today in a lot of ways. I think that Jack Nicholson is fantastic. Uh, the whole cast is fantastic. I really like the friendship between him and Chief. Uh, the ending is very sad, but, you know, I, it is a, a good ending for me, at least. Um, although it is possible that part of that is because I have context from the book that you don't. Um, which I guess it's unfair to bring in because <laughs> it's part of the book, not the movie. But you know, also the very good music. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give it an A minus. Really, an A minus, not an A. No, uh, not you, for any. Do you give A pluses? Yeah. Okay. Oh, interesting. Didn't I give Shawshank an A plus? Yeah, I think so, but I just can't remember. Yeah. So yeah, No Country for Old Men is an A plus. No way. Spoiler. No way. No. Spoiler, don't say that. I'll cut Sorry. it. I'll bleep it out. Bleep. No Country for Old Men is a... <laughs> what? I can't believe you said that. Whoa. <laughs> I thought that it was your face. Is a piece of garbage. Anyway, Elliot, let's uh uh let's do some recommendations, you know. Yeah. I'll I'll go first. This was you got you've gone first like this entire episode. Well, I'm the main personality. The main personality of the show? Yes. You're, I'm like Conan. You're like Conan's fat assistant. Whatever his name is. I don't even know who you're talking about. Conan's got some assistant that's always with him. Conan O'Brien? Yeah, I can't remember his name. Anyway, whatever. We're going to do... So, right like, you're, Levy, you're Larry David, and... Uh, oh, wait, I don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be Jeff? <laughs> no. Yeah, he's awful. And he's an awful person in real life. Although, Larry David's not a fantastic person. All right, anyway... <laughs> Anyway, recommendations. I'll go first. Uh, my recommendation is going to be, I want to say it's a movie from early 70s, late 60s. It's got to be. Uh, it's... What does it matter? I just like to say when it's from, you know, in case people don't watch movies from the 60s or something. Um, it's uh, Cool Hand Luke. Paul Newman movie. Paul Newman playing Luke, the titular Cool Hand did look luke um it's about a guy who he commits a crime at the opening of the movie he's put in prison and then it's kind of about his time in prison and i'm recommending this because i think this is 
in a similar vein to this movie, it's about what do we do with people who can't live in society? And Cool Hand Luke, uh, the reason he can't live in society is because he's a criminal, but he's not a dangerous criminal. And so there's almost a sense in the movie that it's more just an inner rebellion that no one is able to kind of fix in him that's causing him to uh, act in the way he does. Um, and he certainly doesn't deserve uh, some of the things that then happened to him in the movie, in jail, and uh, from some of the other inmates. But uh, really good movie. Paul Newman is fantastic. The uh, His buddy, who I can't remember the name of, is um, also really good. Uh, it's got the iconic uh, cutting the grass in the um, ditches scene. If you've ever seen a military guy with reflective sunglasses, uh, Cool Hand Luke has kind of that iconic imagery. And it's just really good, really well written, very, I think, I found it very interesting. I haven't rewatched it since I saw it the first time. But I think if you enjoyed this movie and kind of its depiction of how the people in charge of taking care of other people are maybe not the best, maybe not because of their evil, but just because they have an inability to understand where the other people are coming from. I think this movie is similar to One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And so uh, that's my recommendation. Yeah, I haven't seen that, so I can't comment on it. My recommendation might be a bit of a stretch here. <laughs> I, I kind of struggled with this one because I've only seen five movies in my life. Um, but I managed to I managed to whip up some nonsense, you know, some fake connections. But my recommendation is the the Truman Show, which Nathan owns and is pointing at. I don't know when it's from. It doesn't matter. It's from the nineties. It's from the nineties. It's about this guy named Truman who has been born and raised in what is essentially a giant TV show, but he doesn't realize that he's part of the show. Uh, it's being run by a guy named Kristoff. I think he's just Kristoff, played by Ed Harris. Um, and so the reason I chose this one, and this is, this is a bit of a stretch, but I think that it's in many ways about how your environment impacts you. Um, the there's a somewhat famous line from the movie where Kristoff says, we accept the reality with which we're presented. Uh, and I think that there is, I do think that there is some resonance between that and the way that the patients of uh, the unnamed institution in One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest uh, interact with their environments. That mm -hmm. they, and it's sort of part of the the critique of the movie that they've just been sort of told that they, they don't work with the rest of society. They don't fit. And so they have to be in this place. Um, that's not necessarily the point of the Truman show, which is more about uh, personal individual identity, but it is also about uh, somebody stuck somewhere. Mm -hmm. So there's that. <laughs> I, I do think that there is some connection there, but also it's, it's, it is a really good movie uh, and I would highly recommend it just in general honest yeah i i agree truman show is probably in my top uh 50 movies of all time it's super funny jim carrey's great in it i need a face you do you not think it's no movie? i just don't think i could even name 50 movies oh yeah i guess if you've only seen five that would be difficult um, how many movies are there in star wars <laughs> 
uh, 11. That's not 50. <laughs> but no, The Truman Show is a great movie. Peter Weir, great director. Well, uh, yep. it's it's time to <laughs> wrap it up. Yes. <laughs> uh, you just said, you said that uh, every time I say that, you think of the Muppets theme song. Remember? Yeah, well, when you say it that slowly, I even more so think of the Muppets theme song. It's time to reflect on the fact that life is hard and full of disappointments. It really is. Sure. Yep. Uh, Hopefully you weren't too disappointed by the lack of an episode last week. Uh, If you were, that's too bad, I guess. (laughs) That's on me. That one's on me. Uh, Yeah, but hopefully you enjoyed this. Yeah, if not, that sucks too, I guess. <laughs> okay, this outro is going great. We never, our in, our intro has gotten better, I think, but I think our outro has gotten worse. That yeah. our intro, we've been like, okay, we've got to decide on what we're going to talk about before. But our outro, we never do. And we don't ever know what to talk about, so. Yeah, being introspective about the lack of preparation for the outro is not, Probably is probably I'm, not helpful. I'm lampshading it, Elliot. <laughs> okay, let's just wrap it up. All right. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back with another new episode next week.